Welcome to the SEO Insider with your host, Seth Price, founder of Blue Shark, taking you inside the world of legal marketing and all things digital. Welcome, everyone. We are thrilled to be back. We have Dylan Ruga here with Steno, uh, the founder and president, as well as chief legal officer. Welcome, Dylan. Thanks, Seth. Thanks for having me. Uh, you know, look, uh, for those that don't know Steno, it, it's, you know, a court reporting service. That's sort of like the, 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 the what it does, but it's a game changer in many ways. I, I, first time I heard about it, I thought this was genius and I think it's gonna change uh, the legal world for sure. Uh, tell everybody, what, what makes Steno special? Well, uh, like you mentioned, Steno does court reporting, uh, but we do it a little bit differently. So um, the first thing or kind of the biggest thing that differentiates us is that we will defer all of our payments uh, until our client's cases resolve. And um, for me, uh, as a practicing uh, plaintiff's lawyer, um, this is a huge thing that I struggled with when I started my firm was managing cash flow. Um, I was growing my firm from you know really just a couple cases to you know over 100 cases that we were litigating at any given time, and I felt pretty good about it until I looked at my bank account and saw it was empty. And I figured, well, what's happening here? And um, I was really advancing all these costs for my clients. And one of the biggest costs that I was advancing was for court reporting. And so I started looking around for a court reporting company that would uh, defer its payments until my case is resolved. And I wasn't able to find any that were willing to do that for me, especially on a, on a non-recourse basis. Uh, meaning that if I lost my case, I didn't want to have to pay well, for any of the court reporting. And that you almost buried the lead. I, deferring yeah. is awesome. But to yeah. me, you know, we've taken a couple big hits over the years, right? And, you know, you got to try the big ones to, you know, and when that happens, it's really painful. Um, yeah, yeah, look, we're, we're all good at, uh, or we think we're pretty good at the intake process. And everybody that I talk to says, well, you know, that's great, but I never lose a case. And none of us like to think we ever lose cases, but if we're being honest and if we really try cases, there's going to be, we're going to take some losses along the way. And that's a, that's a tough pill to swallow when you've got to absorb, you know, it could be six figures or, or more on costs that you've invested in a case. No, I mean, look, so I, 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 I get it. Um, you know, you have one of the top um, venture first round funds uh, behind you, uh, which is in, in of itself the same guys who who launched Uber and, and a number of my friends' companies. Uh, so obviously, you have good good people. Other people have seen this and had the same idea I did, which is like, wow, you just decided to slice the bread. Um, you know, for a lot of people, the idea of financing cases it's it's sort of a, it's a complicated piece. There are some people that are like good with it and they just pass costs along to clients 100. percent um, some people eat it, you know, they have their own credit lines and they, they eat it internally. Um, I feel like one of the things that this has done is taken a percentage of that question off the table in that not only is it deferred, but, you know, if it goes sideways, you don't need that, that rainy, that rainy day piece. Uh, give us an idea first, how did it come to be? I mean, you talked about your need for it, but it's great. Okay. So you couldn't find it anywhere similar, right? I couldn't find SEO done the way I liked it. I started Blue Shark. How did you come to say, okay, I can't find it. Starting a core reporting company, especially a venture-backed one is a whole nother step. Yeah. So I had the idea for Steno and started kind of grumbling to my friends that somebody ought to start an agency that does this. And, and some of my friends kind of just said, well, you know, you should do it. And I chuckled and said, yeah, with all my free time, because I had just started my firm. Um, but it was interesting to me. And so I thought um, maybe I should reach out to a couple of people that I uh, am friends with who had previously started startups just to say, hey, 
what is, um, you know, what, what is your advice? What's the first step I should take in kind of exploring this? And one of the people that I called is Greg Hong. Greg um, previously started a company called uh, Reserve, which was a competitor to OpenTable. So they were in the was, was, was it iReserve? It was, uh, I'm not sure if they were ever iReserve. I, I think it was just Reserve. Yeah, um, I, I, he, he was part of possibly the late 90s internet startup period. Uh, yeah, around there, maybe a little bit later, but kind of in the I, I, I think I crashed one of his parties. <laughs> um, so Greg, uh, I got to know Greg over the years because Reserve was sued for trademark infringement. Uh, and by another company that used the word reserve in kind of the a similar space. And when that happened, um, uh, reserve hired me to defend them in the trademark action. And so um, I got to know Greg because he was the CEO at the time and I defended his deposition. And when I came up uh, with the idea for Steno, I picked up the phone and said, uh, hey, Greg, like, um, what do you think about this? And what, what do you, uh, what's some advice that you have for me? And he said, well... Um, can you send me a model? Have you put together any type of, you know, like financing model? I said, sure. I sent him a spreadsheet on a Friday. Now, I didn't know at the time that I had spoken to Greg that um, he was in the process of selling reserve and was looking for his next gig. Um, but uh, the next Monday he called me and said, I looked at the model all weekend and I, I love the idea. Uh, I want to come out to LA and start the company with you. And I said, great. And we were off to the races. And so we um, were fortunate in that we were able to leverage uh, Greg's um, relationships with BC uh, firms uh, that uh, from Reserve. And because um, he did a good job there and had a successful outcome at Reserve, they were more than happy to talk to us about Steno and, and back this, uh, this company as well. That's awesome. Um, you know, the core reporting services, and again, uh, is something that as a plaintiff's lawyer, I guess as, as a defense lawyer, you know, or litigator, it's sort of a necessary evil. And, you know, you, you, you like your rep and they're nice to you, but I always get the impression that there's a, a catchment of court reporters that are just contracting with whoever is out there. How do you sort of talk to me a little bit about, you know, if you're in the court reporting, if you're in the lawyering game and you have your favorite court reporters, can you, can you, I, you know, is it by choosing a steno, are these people still accessible or do most court reporting services have their own, you know, catchment of court reporters? Yeah, so um, every court reporter uh, pretty much across the country, and, and that's a pretty broad statement, but it's basically true, uh, is an independent contractor, and they all work with all of the court reporting agencies in town. So we work with the same court reporters that our competitors work with. And um, so if a particular lawyer or firm has a relationship with um, uh, court reporters or videographers or interpreters that they enjoy working with, we're more than happy to schedule those people on Steno's jobs and again, defer payment or do whatever else that you're asking us to do. And talk to me a little about the economics, right? Because obviously it's, there's no free lunch, right? There has to be funding for it. How, how does it work? Um, walk, work me through the traditional sort of court reporting model um, versus uh, how Steno works from the point of view of the economics to the law firm. Sure. So court reporting um, typically is charged on a per page basis. There's other charges that um, get built in there too, but the headline number is usually the, the page rate. And so if a, um, a normal court reporting job that's done on net 30 terms may cost $1,000, 
Um, we'll, we'll offer that to all of our clients. If you want to pay us a net 30, we'll do it for you for a thousand dollars in this example. But if you want to defer payment on it and uh, not pay us until your uh, case closes, we charge about a 30% premium. So that same uh, deposition instead of costing a thousand will cost 1300. And the way it works is uh, when the deposition's over, uh, we send an invoice and the um, invoice just says uh, $1,300. And instead of saying, um, pay us in 30 days, it says pay us when your case settles. And that $1,300 remains constant. There's no interest component or anything else that gets tacked onto it. So it doesn't matter if it takes you three months or a few years to settle your case and get paid. Uh, you know that you owe us $1,300 for that particular deposition. And that way you can track your costs along the way. Um, and so on, on our end, um, we refer to this as uh, kind of micro litigation finance because we are um, essentially financing uh, this receivable for you. And on the back end, we have a debt facility um, that we borrow against uh, on that invoice, which allows us to um, continue our operations and, and pay the court reporter right away. So uh, the court reporters are paid within a day or uh, within a day or two of turning in the transcript. So they are paid out right away. We hold the paper and, um, you know, we worry about collecting later. And I assume built to that profit as well as uh, a write-off percentage for some percentage of cases that lose a trial presumably or that's right we um historically we've seen uh, about a five percent loss rate um you know we've modeled in into our our financial model uh, a number higher than that so at this point five a five percent loss rate is is well within kind of what we expected to see and and it works fine for the business that, that's awesome question i got asked uh but when somebody heard i was going to be interviewing you which i thought i'd pass along is what happens if a case goes up on appeal Mm -hmm. a um, the, the simple answer to any kind of um, question like this is we only get paid when you get paid. So uh, if it goes up on appeal and takes two years or three years or whatever it is, and you, you don't get paid till after that, then, then we're waiting to get paid at that point. If um, your client drops you and um, you um, put a lien on the case and uh, you, know, you eventually get paid back your costs, then we expect to get paid when you get paid. If a client drops you and you don't assert a lien for whatever reason, then we write that off as a loss. And so uh, the short answer is we get paid when you get paid. It, it seems like in a way that you you borrowed a little bit from the title insurance model, um, you know, a bail bond similarly, where somebody's writing, you're, you're essentially writing, and I assume like anything else, if somebody loses all their cases, that's probably not an ideal client for you. Um, but if you're within the standard deviation, it's, uh, it's an awesome win-win. That's right. I mean, like anything, there's a bell curve, uh, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, how good firms are and how many cases they're going to win, how many cases they're going to lose and how long cases take to resolve over time. But um, again, we've built in a, a certain assumptions around the, the loss rate. And, and so far, we've been doing this for just over three years and, and we're seeing numbers that are well within that expected loss rate. You know, what have you learned? There's an amazing amount of data you must have seen. You know, there's, you know, in the, in, when, when you're on a plaintiff's listserv, you see the celebrations, right? You see the, the big wins. And in, at least in my market, I know that a number of these huge wins that are incredible very often come down to earth later on or before the actual email was sent. 
Um, what, wanted to see like, what are some of the things that you may not have realized being a rock star? You're part of, people don't realize this, but you're part of the Glitterati uh, West Coast trialer uh, world. But what have you learned, you know, sort of like, again, even in that world, a lot of bravado, a lot of testosterone, a lot, a lot of badass women and men trying cases. But have you seen stuff that you're like, wow, I, I didn't know this before I was, you know, on the other side? Well, everybody talks about kind of the outlier big number results. And what they don't talk about are the cases that they lose a trial or the cases that for one reason or another, they, you know, expect a, a seven to eight figure outcome and they receive a five figure outcome. And, you know, I, I see that um, way more often than I thought that I would see that, um, you know, again, uh, most people don't talk about the losses. Most people don't talk about the cases where, you know, some evidence shows up during the course of litigation that they weren't expecting and, and now their case value plummets 90%. Um, but um, it happens um, more often than you think. And, um, you know, we see it a lot in, in our business at, at Steno. But thankfully, um, most of our clients who take on litigation matters, even though they may not get the amount of money that they were hoping to get out of the case almost always get something out of the case, which is enough to pay their costs and put some money in the client's pocket and, and put some money in the firm's coffers as well. No, no, it's, it's funny. I, I equate it almost to a visit to Vegas. I have a lot of friends who play the electronic games, whether it be slots or other games, and they love it. And I see the winnings on Facebook. I'm with them when they win. They win great amounts of money and people are cat, you know, pulling cash out. But these casinos are, you know, not built on people, you know, it, over time, there's there's a truism that's going to have to happen. Um, and I assume, you know, just like, you know, it, it's not like people are taking eight figure cases and turning them into nothing. Um, many of those cases, uh, but, you know, a couple of bad facts may bring them down to earth uh, along the way. Anything else um, as far as, you know, like stuff I've seen from the perspective of a marketing agency looking under the hood of a lot of uh, firms that the cash flow is so incredibly tight and the swings can be so dramatic. Um, I assume in one sense, they, they love you because you're, you're providing part of the answer for them. Are there other things about law firm management that you have gleaned? I mean, you have a boutique practice for, you know, to stereotype it. Um, you know, are you seeing stuff that, you know, reasons that, you know, things like sort of any caution, not cautionary tales, but any lessons learned looking at large firms having bigger swings, do small firms, anything that you've picked up looking at uh, just crowdsourcing the numbers that you get to see? You know, we don't have um, that much visibility into our clients' uh, overall firm financial picture. So I, I don't want to kind of overstate the data that we have there. What we do have is um, a lot of deposition transcripts. We have thousands upon thousands of deposition transcripts. And so um, one of the things that we're thinking about doing is culling those transcripts to see um, what uh, patterns can be uh, taken out of those transcripts by matching um, the, the, the transcripts to the ultimate, to the ultimate uh, case outcomes, which we're privy to um, most of the time, and figure out what we can learn from uh, the deposition transcripts themselves and, and then the case outcome and, and see if we can find anything in there that, you know, wh whether it's asking questions in a particular way or, or using particular cadence or whether on the flip side, if it's a defense uh, outcome, whether there are particular objections or things that defense lawyers are saying or doing in depositions that may give them a, a leg up in the, in the litigation process. 
No, I love that. Every once in a while I get pitched by new companies and there was one that came with AI and they were trying to use that to be able to value cases for lending purposes. Um, but and I, I thought it was ahead of its time and I think it was and they've pivoted to other to other work. But what I, what I love here is the idea that, you know, the, the, the idea of AI is, you know, from a sample of one, you can't get much. But if you could take every case that hits it out of the park and every case that doesn't, uh, you know, the two extremes and looking for commonalities, um, it'd be, it would be kind of cool just as a, as, as one of those um, internal red flags. Imagine if you could send your clients, you know, we've, we've sent a bot through your transcripts and, and based on these pieces, you should be wary that you're in this, you're statistically significant to either have a negative outcome or a positive outcome based on what you're, what you're seeing. That's kind of a, a cool future ahead. Yeah, I, I think so. And another thing that we've uh, kind of talked about doing at Steno, which, you know, we're, we're not planning on doing in the short term, but maybe in the longer term, is uh, assigning some type of uh, credit scores to law firms based on um, the number of cases that they take that, that have good, good outcomes versus bad outcomes. And like you were saying before, I mean, there, there is a, a bell curve of, uh, you know, uh, firms out there in terms of how good they are or how likely they are to sign on, um, you know, winning cases. Um, and so we have a pretty good history of uh, working with firms over a long period of time. We can start to look at individual firms and say, you know, uh, this firm is a better credit risk than that firm. And, well, and those I, I, you know, I, look, you, you won't say it, but I, I mean, to me, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, version 2.0, that that credit score, whatever you want to call it, might affect pricing. And which you sort of in one sense would want to, right? If you're a firm that really loses 1% of the time versus a firm that's taking huge risks and losing 10% of the time, at some point that I'm sure will get baked into uh, a, a pricing metric. Yeah, it's something we've talked about, but uh, I have no plans to implement. Right, I'm just saying like you can see yeah. the, the future of it. Are, sure. are, people, are people nipping at your heels? Are you seeing uh, imitations of the most sincere form of flattery? Are you seeing it out there? What are you seeing right now? Yeah, uh, we've seen it. Um, we, we haven't seen it done as well. Uh, the, the reason why is that um, what, what I think makes Steno um, uh, unique is that we combine the, the service that we're offering, which is the court reporting, with the litigation finance by packaging it in one invoice that kind of just goes naturally into your um, workflow at your firm. Um, you don't really have to do anything differently at your firm. What we've seen other um, companies try to do is take a court reporting agency and then uh, basically duct tape onto it a litigation finance company and have those two companies work together to try to deliver to you what Steno is doing um, in an integrated uh, streamlined way. And the experience for the lawyers just isn't as good because now you're dealing with two different companies and, and they don't really know how to defer payment um, in this type of way. Um, I expect that we'll see some of the uh, bigger box uh, court reporting agencies out there try to get into uh, this model more. I've, I've, I've spoken with some of them and I, I've, I've heard that they like our model and, and that they um, would like to start doing it down the road. Uh, it's just that some of the bigger court reporting agencies are um, owned by private equity companies. Uh, and they have a different kind of risk tolerance uh, than the, the venture capital companies that, that are backing Steno. That's awesome. Look, it sounds like you are your world is exploding, and uh, I want to let you get back to uh, changing the world because uh, really, really impressed by anything. Any final any final words for our audience today? 
No, thanks. Thanks for having me, Seth. It was great chatting with you. And um, anything Steno can do to help, uh, I'm always, always around. People can reach me, just Dylan at Steno.com. Well, we uh, look forward to watching your uh, meteoric rise. It's uh, really cool when somebody does something and you're like, yeah, that makes so much sense. So thank you so much for being here. We'll catch up soon. Thanks, Seth. Thank you for tuning in to the SEO Insider with Seth Price. Be sure to check back next week for fresh insights into building your brand's online presence. Episodes are available to stream directly on Blue Shark Digital's website.